It's Baltimore Ravens week. This is the Believe Them Brits preview podcast. Go The way it should be, I guess. Let's welcome in everybody. This is your game preview for the Cleveland Browns at home hosting the Baltimore Ravens before the most ridiculous of early bye weeks. Um, Welcoming Owen Jones to the podcast. Oh, yeah, mate, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You? Yeah, not bad at all, mate. Not bad at all. Looking forward to this one, mate. I've got to be honest. I always look forward to Ravens Week. Um, I think it's always, or certainly in the last few years, has been really competitive between the two sides. Um, and ultimately, it's a real test of where the Browns are in this division. Um, as predicted, the AFC North shaping up to be its usual competitive self. Uh, the Browns and Ravens all at about, sorry, get my words out, Browns, Ravens and Steelers all at two and one. Um, and obviously the Bengals got the goose egg off the uh, the board on Monday Night Football since we last spoke. Um, so a really important game, mate, this early in the season to really set the tone in terms of what the Browns might be able to accomplish within the division. Yeah, it does feel like a big game again, um, but they've got all the confidence in the world coming off last week, and obviously the Ravens had that little blow against the uh, the Colts last week. So, yeah, they should go into it with full of confidence, full of you know energy, and like you said, the bye week isn't an ideal bye week because it's you know so close to the start of the season. But I'm sure they'd want to go into the bye week with real confidence and you know reason to celebrate a little bit going into the bye week. Yeah, most definitely. Let's look at the Ravens in a bit of detail then before we flip it over to the Browns side of the ball. Um, struggled, to be honest, mate, to a 2-1 and one record. I don't think I'm doing them a disservice by saying that, but uh, a 25 points to 9 victory on opening weekend against the Houston Texans. Um, they certainly didn't get an awful lot going on the offensive side of the ball. Lamar Jackson limited in that game to just 169 yards. He was also the leading rusher with just 38 on that day. Um, and then again, similar story the following week, beating the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals obviously off to their own slow start to the season. Um, but again, it was hardly a stellar performance from the Ravens. And ultimately, it almost felt like, you know, luck caught up to them with that defeat to the Colts last week. They've played a similar level in all three games. Obviously, you've got a two and one record. Um, but it's certainly not been a hot start. We'll touch on the injury report, which might give us some clues and indicators as to why. Um, but certainly, you know, like I say, not exactly the most uh, thrilling two-in-one start to a season. No, and I think you're right. Like, I think they've underwhelmed a little bit. Um, you know, they were going to be one of those teams coming into the season where you didn't really know what you were going to get from them. Lamar Jackson obviously coming off a really strange season last season and an even stranger off-season, you know, culminating in signing that massive contract. But, you know, they've they've sort of rebuilt the wide receiver room around him. They've changed play caller. They've they've done all of these, these different things. And, you know, I think it's 
maybe just their offense off to a slow start because there's so much changes involved in it. Maybe I think you could probably put it down to that. But one thing that you're always going to get from the Ravens, uh, you know, against the Browns is a lot of fight. Um, so I'd expect whatever their best is for it to come out this week against the Browns and Browns are going to have to be on their A game to, to stop them. And, you know, I think looking at the first three weeks, I think it, it matches up pretty well for the Browns in terms of um, they are, you know, the Browns offense starting to click last week um, against the Ravens secondary. This still not the best. I don't know if they'll get Marlon Humphrey back this season, uh, this week. There has been little hints uh, throughout the week, so I don't know if he's good to go. But especially on the other side of the ball, you know, Lamar Jackson's obviously incredibly dangerous, but the Browns have had his number in, in the past few years. They brought JOK in, you know, with a big eye for, for Spy and Lamar Jackson, and he's done a really good job of that. You obviously, you don't you don't like to see it, but he did injure him last time they met, I believe. Um, and... Yeah, if if the Browns' defense can cont- uh, continue the dominance in this one, it gives them a really, really good platform to go and work off of, and uh, hopefully get a three and one. Yeah, absolutely. Let's look at Lamar Jackson by the numbers. So three games, obviously, into the season. One thing that jumps out to me is his completion percentage. He's massively up compared to previous years. So I've said there he's had a difficult start to the season. His completion percentage is actually sitting at 73%, which is huge compared to his career average of 64. Um, so massive increases there. The big thing that stands out there, mate, is only two touchdown passes. Um, and that, to me, is the, the key thing there. Lots of these passes in you know areas of the field that aren't hurting opposition. They've obviously struggled to move the ball, particularly when they've got down towards the red zone. Um, but Lamar has seemingly tried to transition into more of a passer um, in recent times. And that, again, probably further highlighted by his longest run so far this season, only covering 16 yards. They're obviously paying him now what he feels was good market value. Obviously, that market continuing to get reset. Everybody takes a, um, a new deal. But obviously now, you know, they haven't got the luxury of that rookie contract anymore. He's now being paid really big bucks. They seem determined to turn him into more of a passer than a thrower. And I always think the Ravens look better when Lamar just does what he does best. Don't worry about the outside noise. Just let him do what he does best. But just seem to have had more of a focus, like I say, in that passing game, mate. And it's something that, again, we'll touch on the injury report. If that's the route that they're going to go on Sunday, it probably plays into the Browns' favour, I would suggest. Yeah, and I think the transition may have come through necessity more than anything. I think, you know, with them paying him so much money, they'd like to see him on the field for 17 games a season. And I think that's a big part of why, you know, his um, style of play may be changing, you know, along along with longevity as well. They, they're paying him for a while. They'll want him to have a second contract on top of that. So they, they're going to want him to stay healthy for as long as possible. Um you know, with that is going to come growing pains, you would imagine, because that's never been his style of of quarterbacking, is just stick, sitting in a pocket and picking teams apart. That's never really been what he's done. So, you know, it is going to be an interesting transition for him, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, like you said, if, if they do that on Sunday, it massively plays into the Browns' hands. You know, that you look at the wide receiver room for Baltimore before the season started, 
and there was massive question marks. Obviously, OBJ coming off two terrible injuries, you know, and not playing spectacularly well even before that for a, for a year or two, as we know. Um, you were wondering what you were going to get out of him. Rashad Bateman has has done okay since he's been drafted, um, but again, a lot of injuries. And then Zay Flowers, who, you know, as someone that looks at other wide receivers quite in depth, like every season coming out of the draft, I was massively impressed with Zay Flowers before he came out. It was him and Josh Downs that I really had my eye on for the Browns before they traded for Elijah Moore. Um, and he, you know, with a ball in his hands, he's, he's really special. So he's the one that they're going to have to keep an eye on. But you fear if... For the for the Ravens, if OBJ and Bateman do not play, which it looks like is trending towards, you know, it makes it makes Flowers' job much much more difficult because obviously he's a, he's a smaller wide receiver, primarily a slot receiver for the for the Ravens, you would imagine, and if if the Browns can key in on him, you know, more because the outside receivers like are, are not great um, outside of OBJ and Bateman then it's going to make his job more difficult and then, you know, makes the Browns' job easier. So, selfishly, I hope they don't play. I'm not particularly frightened of OBJ these, these days anyway. I think if you were going into that game with OBJ 80% healthy against Denzel Ward, I think Denzel clamps him anyway. So, not particularly concerned either way. Um, but, yeah, obviously, if they are injured, it gives Lamar a bit of a headache. Yeah, we've touched a few times on the injury report, so let's get it out there so that everyone can put some context into what we're talking about. Obviously, we're recording this on Friday. We won't get news of, you know, sort of game statuses until the Friday injury report comes out state's time. Um, and obviously, more and more people now just end up being game day decisions, questionable. It's not often people are, you know, ruled out ahead of time. But as you say, mate, Rashad Bateman hasn't practised all week. Adele Beckham Jr. hasn't practised all week. Um, in addition to that, Justice Hill dealing with a foot injury, didn't practice Wednesday, was limited yesterday. Gus Edwards running back coming out of concussion protocol. Um, looks like he's trending towards being back um, elsewhere offensively. Tyler Linderborn, the centre, has been limited all week. Ronnie Stanley, offensive tackle, has been limited all week. Um, and that's before we get to the fact that obviously they've already lost J.K. Dobbins for the season on Injured reserve, he was obviously scheduled to be the primary running back for the Ravens. So it's certainly looking like a patchwork offence. Assuming Beckham and Bateman don't go, the wide receiver call will be Zay Flowers, as you've mentioned, Nelson Aguilar, who will obviously act as the deep threat, and Devin Duvernay. Um, you know, but obviously, as you've rightly said, there shouldn't be anything overly scary there. Look for a heavy dose of Mark Andrews, as always. Um, but obviously, as you said, the Browns almost seemingly built this defence specifically for attacking the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they've been stellar on the defensive side of the ball. Um, as we know, you know, historically good. And when you actually compare the Browns defence to any other defence in the league, this isn't us now just being biased because we're a Browns podcast. Statistically, 21 first downs the Browns have given up. I think the next best is in the 40s. Um, you know, it's an historically low number of yards per game. The only thing they haven't necessarily done at the moment is take the ball away. Um, but they've obviously been on the field for such a little amount of time. 
if we can keep playing like this all year, I'm not bothered if we end up last in terms of turnovers because if we're only giving up three and four points a game on off on defence, we're going to win more than we lose. You've said yourself, mate, the slot might be important with Zay Flowers. Greg Newsom looks like he'll be back. Um, so that'll obviously give the Browns defence a boost. And the rest of the defence is all healthy, mate. We touched on Miles Garrett last week ahead of the Titans game. We said it might be the game that ultimately he ruins the stat sheet, and he obviously did ruin the stat sheet. How do you see Miles and the rest of this defensive line in particular? Because um, they'll obviously be key with the issues they've got out wide. You can see Lamar potentially bailing on a number of plays and that type of thing. So how how much of an impact do you think they'll have, and, and do you like the matchup of this Browns defensive line? I do, um, <clears throat> because, you know, Miles against anyone... Is a good matchup for the Browns. Let's let's face it. But you know, you you tend to see these quarterbacks to hold the ball for just a little bit longer to try and make something special happen, and that's where Miles comes into his own. Um, and Lamar tends to do that. Whether he does that on Sunday is my question, or whether they go to that like Kenny Pickett, get the ball out of your hands as quickly as possible type thing, because. You know, with those wide receiver issues that they're going to have, you would imagine that that means that they're going to go for like shorter, you know, a lot of bubble screens and and stuff of that nature. Especially with Zay Flowers playing as well as he is, that's his type of game. Devin Duvernay is not a a big, you know, a big wide receiver. He will want a lot of stuff for the line of scrimmage as well. He's obviously another one able to to get on field pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, I think with the wide receivers the, the the Ravens have to play with, I think they probably will go for a shorter type of passing attack on Sunday. Um, and that may mean that Miles will have a similar week to what he did against the Steelers because there just won't be enough time to get to Lamar. But to be honest, like, as long as they contain him, I don't particularly see them as as a massive, massive threat. And if they just throw in five yard outs to Zay Flowers all, all game, the chances of them being able to matriculate down the field every single time they have a possession is very slim. So, you know, I wouldn't be too scared of that, just like they weren't scared when the Steelers, you know, we've said when we that we weren't start watching that game for Miles Garrett, but he had such a big impact. But that's why they were having to punt away so often. They didn't have the time to to produce any sort of offense. So, yeah. you know, if if he has zero sacks this week, but the the Ravens' offense looks like the Steelers in in week two, do not care one bit. Absolutely, mate. Certainly, it's all about the collective, and like you say, on paper at least. Probably a good matchup at the best of weeks, but certainly with the injury concerns for the Ravens, potentially even better. Let's flip it over to the other side. I suppose the significant news from the Browns injury report this week has been Deshaun Watson has been limited throughout practice. Sounds more precautionary than anything else. There's no indication that he's not going to go. Um, so I don't want to make a big something dance about it. But interesting that he has been on there, mate. And like you say, he certainly had his best game in a Browns uniform last week, as we touched on. Um, you know, so any concerns with Watson being limited? Um, not really, because like you say, I would imagine it's very precautionary and imagine he does play. The only thing is, is he going to go back to being really nervous about taking hits? Um, because that would worry me 
because he did look really nervous for, what, nine games of taking a hit. So you don't want him to fall back into that after his best game last week. And also, if he doesn't play, then that stunts the momentum that he sort of created for himself last week as well. So you want to see him play. You want to see him play well. You know, I, w- I would be quite interested to see DTR play a, a regular season game. Um, <laughs> potentially not this one. <laughs> um <laughs> But I think it would be pretty fun to watch him play. But yeah, like I said, you want him to to keep that momentum going and you know develop his chemistry with his wide receivers even more and and his offensive line, which is obviously a big big issue. Um, but yeah, I think it's just precautionary, and we'll just be hopeful that he doesn't get scared of taking too many hits on Sunday. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Only other thing, just to note on the Browns injury report, both the running backs appeared on there. Jerome Ford was limited on Wednesday, but he was a full participant on Thursday. Uh, Kareem Hunt didn't practice on Wednesday, was limited on Thursday, but it's obviously trended in the right direction for both of those. Um, No sort of rumours or rumblings of any roster moves there, so I would imagine that both of those will be up on Sunday. Um, from the Ravens' perspective, again, the, the injury bug really does seem to have hit them. Um, even their defensive side of the ball has a number of guys that are questionable. Um, Aduffy, Oway, David Ajabo, Kyle Hamilton, Marlon Humphrey, all big pieces of the defence, all questionable. Um, Humphrey yet to practice this week at all. Um, same with Ajabo and Oway. Um so, not looking particularly good. Well, obviously, like I say, we'll have a bigger clue um, by the end of the day once the injury report hits from the States. Um, score predictions then, mate. How are you viewing this one? I think this was a game that when we did our pre-season predictions pod, I think this one was probably the first game that had quite a bit of a discrepancy between the three of us and our views on it. Obviously, three weeks into the season now, got a lot more idea of who these teams both are. Um, so, what are you predicting come Sunday for the Browns and the Ravens? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure I had the Browns losing this one um, before the season started, but get into the buyer three and one. So, I didn't expect them to lose the Steelers. Um, I still expect them to be three and one after this week. I think the Browns come out 25-18 winners this week. And how many of those 18 points are actually scored by the Ravens? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go all of them this week because I just think, yeah, the Browns' offence giving up points is pretty unsustainable um, in the long run. So expected to go back to a normal um, scoring offence from them this week. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I say in jest, like you say, it's been an historically good start, but... Uh... Yeah, even 18 points, though, you'd take that most weeks, wouldn't you? So, you know, let's not look at that as any kind of negative if that indeed is the score. I'm going to have a little bit more faith in them, though, to keep a few more points off the scoreboard. Um, so I'm going to go with the Browns 24, the Ravens 13 um, in terms of my game prediction. I think, I think remembering back, I'd got the Browns winning this one anyway. I think I'd predicted a 4-0 and start, so that obviously went out the window with that Steelers loss. Um, but with that said... You know, I'm probably feeling a little bit better about the team overall than I possibly was pre-season. Um, you certainly look at the schedule later on, and we won't get too far ahead of ourselves. But I think you know a few people have shared the graphic this week. Of there's a, a six or seven run stretch of games that all look very, very winnable as we sit here and speak today. 
Um, so I think this is a huge game. You touched on it right at the outset, mate. These games potentially are massive for tiebreaker potentials and all of those kind of things. Um, and it'd be really good to see the Browns take care of business and hopefully get to that three and one record before putting their feet up for a week. Um, before we get out of here, mate, let's have a quick look around the league. Um, I've just had a quick look at the Pickhams. Everybody went for the Lions last night, um, which probably tells you a lot, really. Not many people would go against the Green Bay Packers at home, but everybody in the Believe and Bricks League did so, and obviously were correct as the Lions came out on top of that one, 34 points to 20. Um, puts the Lions in a nice little position, doesn't it, in the NFC North now. Um, particularly with the Vikings and Bears in an 0-3 hole. Um, so the Lions really sitting pretty. But in terms of the rest of what we've got, mate, I'll be in Wembley on Sunday to watch the Jags against the Falcons. Um, it's a game that still heavily people predict the Jags, at least looking at the um, Pickham's league. But it's not been a great start for the Jags, as we've discussed. Falcons have been punchy without being particularly impressive. So which way have you got this one, mate? I've gone for the Jags. Um, I'm still riding the train, and the fact that this is, a, yeah, this is pretty much a home game for them in the, in terms of they play here every year. They know what to expect. They they've probably got their routine down to a T by now. You would hope. Um, so I would expect them to come out the gates quickly. And uh, I still Desmond Ridder stinks. I don't know when they're going to put Heineke in, um, but yeah, I can't see him firing them to a, a win against the Jags. Uh, Vikings-Panthers, neither on the uh, on the scoreboard as of yet, but uh, surely this is one that the Vikings get done. You would think so, yeah. And I, I saw this week, actually, uh, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson are on for historic seasons at the moment. Mm. Yep. And they're 3-0, 0-3. Uh, so that's an interesting one to keep your eye on, especially if you're Justin Jefferson there. Absolutely. Um, talking of people that stink, the Broncos and the Bears. <laughs> uh, I think Cleveland Browns Daily call call these type of games inmate game of the week, and I think it's quite apt uh, for this <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> tough one to, to even call a win, winner. This so bad. I think I'll have to go Broncos just because I think the Bears may be the worst team I've ever seen. Yeah, it's not good. The Browns-Ravens, we've already discussed. That's 50-50 on Pickham, so it is the closest game of the week, according to the fans. Texans host the Steelers. I've, I flipped this just now. I did have the Texans winning this game because I think CJ Stroud's been really good. I think as a team, they've been really good. But I think the location of this game plays a big, big factor. And I think a rookie QB going into what was Heinz Field um, will have a big impact on this game. And and TJ Watt could well ruin it. Uh, Colts host the Rams. Colts obviously off that surprise. The Colts are two and one. Unbelievable. Obviously that win over the Ravens last week. Rams have been punchy, but Rams are one and two. Uh, Rams favoured by most people, but obviously the Colts at home. Which way are you going? I haven't decided which way I'm going to end up on this, but at the moment I have the Colts. Saints versus Bucks. Big game, big, big game. Looking like Derek Carr's not going to go, um, which obviously will improve the books' chances no end. Um, like I say, huge game. Don't think you're going to need much more than a 9-8 record in that division, possibly, when it's all said and done. So which way have you got this one, mate? You're riding the Baker train? I am, yeah. I am. I, I think everyone 
could tell what was going to happen last week against the Eagles. I think that was a classic Baker game where he just doesn't play well. Um, and this one, I think he bounces back a little bit. We've got a few one-sided ones, so I'll just rush through these. Eagles, Commanders, um, I'm assuming we're all going to go Eagles. Uh, 49ers, Cardinals, I assume we're all going to go 49ers. And Chiefs, Jets, I assume we're all going to go Chiefs. Um, so just leaves a couple more to go through, mate. Bengals, Titans. I think this is an interesting one. It's heavily skewed for the Bengals in terms of the 888 uh, pick em, but uh, Titans are the ones that are at home. Um, Bengals haven't pulled up any trees for me, so I'm surprised it's as heavily skewed. 88% of people think the Bengals. I just think that everyone thinks that the Bengals are just going to click offensively at some point, and I, I tend to agree with that opinion, so I'm going to write the Bengals in this one. Uh, Chargers Raiders. Um, Chargers obviously got the win against the Vikings last week. Brandon Staley still defies any sort of belief as a coach going again from his own 21-yard line on fourth and whatever it was and, and potentially handing the Vikings the opportunity to go and win the game. They obviously got out of dodge. Um, but Chargers Raiders, mate, which way you got this one? I'm going to go with the Chargers in this one. I just think we, we spoke about the the way I think of the, these games last week, where I, I just take the best QB in these type of games. And, you know, there's no question about who the best QB out of these two are. Uh, Cowboys, Patriots, you'd expect the Cowboys to bounce back at home. Obviously, really bad week for them against Arizona. Heavily favoured, though, at home, mate. Have you gone Dallas? I have. Yeah, and then Monday Night Football is uh, back to just one game Monday night, by the way. Uh, Seahawks on the road at the Giants. Seahawks, Giants are terrible. Yeah, most people agree. I deliberately left one game, mate, because I think it's a game that deserves a little bit more conversation. Uh, the Dolphins at the Bills. Um, it's the game that Sky Sports have chosen, which is of no surprise when you look at the uh, the, the lineup here. Um, the Dolphins off the back of an absolutely unbelievable 70 points beatdown of the Denver Broncos last week. The Bills off the back of their own impressive victory on the road, smashing the commanders by 37 points to three. Um, and, <laughs> and the three only being just to get the goose egg off the board um, when it was completely game over by that stage. These two teams are massive, massive powerhouses in the conference. You said last week that the, well, you said on Sunday, whenever it was that we did the podcast, the Dolphins are probably the team to beat in the AFC based on the first few weeks of the season. And, you know, if we want to be considered to be in and amongst playoff contenders, which we'd like to think the Browns would be, at some point, these may well be two teams that we come up against. So, which way do you see this one going, mate? I think it's a fascinating matchup. I think it's got all the makings to be a classic, hasn't it? Hopefully, it plays to sort of the occasion. A lot of times, these games sort of let you down, but... It's got all the makings of a classic. I think the Dolphins probably nick it because I just think their scoring power is absolutely frightening, especially if Jalen Wardle actually does come back and play this week because, um, you know, it's easy to forget they put up 70 points last week without probably their second-best player on offence. So um, he comes back this week and I think the Dolphins probably nick it. Um, but like I said, th this game... Absolute clash of the Titans, isn't it? And hopefully it lives up to the billing. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Unbelievable to think, really, isn't it, that the Dolphins can score 70 points in a week and then be uh, underdogs the following week. <laughs> Just goes to show the power of uh, Buffalo. And obviously he's at Bill Stadium, so 
Um, you know, potentially does give them a little bit of a leg up, possibly, but certainly one um, that I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, as I said, I'm at Wembley on Sunday, so there won't be any post-game podcast straight after the game on Sunday, um, as I have no idea yet. Oh, I'm even watching the Browns game. We'll obviously try and figure that out over the course of the weekend. Um, but we'll more than likely be back on Monday as long as our schedules tie up. Um, so we will get you your post-game reaction. Hopefully by that stage, the Cleveland Browns will be sitting at 3-1. and one. Enjoy the game, everybody. Uh, we'll catch you next week. This has been the Believe in Brits Preview Podcast. Go Browns.